Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. say that about a lot of things, but I really truly appreciate uh, to be a part of a nation that will allow us today the privilege, the opportunity to be in this place and to magnify his name. We give honor to all of you who have joined us on this day. You have, you have certainly blessed us and we don't take for granted your presence here and we ask that God will continue to bless you in the course of this day. Amen. been privileged to celebrate 30 Easter Sundays with this wonderful congregation, and I appreciate that. And so sometimes there is some undue pressure that gets applied, and you wonder maybe how can we make this day any different. And I began to think this week that what there's not a more powerful story than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So just tell the story. Amen. So I'm going to alleviate any undue pressure that I may feel. That doesn't mean I don't care about the presentation, but the message is certainly important. Amen. God has been good to us and he has blessed us beyond our wildest imagination. I think most would agree that God has blessed us beyond what we could have ever imagined in our life possible. I'm going to ask you to join me in the book of Matthew chapter 28. And from here, you can remain seated if you would like. From here, we're going to read the first seven verses. And I just want to pull three words out of these scriptures. And I'll use that for my text today. And um, we'll just ask the Lord to help us simply remember, amen, remember the power and the impact of this story. Matthew 28, verse 1, in the, end, in the end of the Sabbath as it was, in the end of the Sabbath as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. Behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. For fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. For the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not, for I know that ye seek Jesus, whom was crucified. He is not here for he has risen as he said. Amen. Can you say that with me? As he said. He has risen as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him. Lo, I have told you. And so for a, a uh, subject today, I just want to use those three words, as he said. I'm not alone today in this audience of people. I um, 
I, like some of you, grew up with parents and guardians who, uh, when they said something, for the most part, they meant it. And, uh, and they would remind you, I meant what I said. And uh, I remember on rare occasions when I would not behave in church. <laughs> and my mother would say, when we get home, we could go to McDonald's and we could go to somebody's house and they would laugh and talk and I'm just thinking in the back, I know I've got a death sentence waiting over me, but in the back of my mind, I'm just thinking they are going to forget this and we're just going to move on to greater things. But um, I found out that they had great memories when it came to things like that. They meant what they said. And uh, I didn't really appreciate that at eight or nine, <laughs> but... I certainly have a greater appreciation of that as a grown man that someone would keep their word. And uh, so here is Jesus, and I just want to talk to you about as he said, because this is what the angel was reminding these two ladies, and this would become uh, a tremendously important few words. And so since these two ladies, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, were the first to experience what this day represents, little did they know they were going to be the first to experience not that for themselves, but they would be the first to experience that for what it means to all of us who are present here today. I'm not sure if we can truly appreciate the kaleidoscope of emotions that they, were, that they must have been experiencing at this very moment because everything that they had believed to be true had now seemingly been shattered. There was little doubt in my mind that they had friends and family members who were well-meaning, but perhaps they thought they lost their mind when they started following this sandal-footed man from Galilee by the name of Jesus. Perhaps they defended their cause countless times by saying, well, but, but you just had to know him, or maybe, maybe somehow they were trying to put out the flames of all of the cynicism and criticism that was coming their way, but they had staked their futures in a man called Jesus. They had hung everything hinged upon this man and his ministry. And then for all apparent reasons or for intent and purposes, it all came crashing down. In their minds, this is not how it was supposed to end. Not at all. Three days before, they followed the man that they loved and respected. And they watched him as he died on a Roman cross. They had every reason to be completely disillusioned as would you and I have felt the same way in that moment. In my mind at this point, they could have withdrawn themselves to total seclusion, certainly not wanting to face the friends, certainly not wanting to face the critics, certainly not wanting to face those that said, I told you so, trying desperately to avoid the pressing questions and the cynicism of the general public, perhaps they thought we could just hide. We'll just go away someplace far, far away. I'm intrigued though when I read that they got up and they went to visit the tomb. Something inside of them, no doubt their faith had been challenged, had been tried, had been tested to its very limit. But something inside of them just kept remembering something about this three days. Destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up again. They could have been 
so disenchanted with the whole thing that they merely washed their hands and just said, I'm done. Enough is enough. And we'll try to resume our normal life as it had been prior to Christ. But I believe when we walk, watch these two ladies walk and rise early to come to the tomb, I believe, I begin to think about Friday, this, this would perhaps be what the apostle Paul called unfeigned faith. Unfeigned faith. That word is used three times. Paul used it and then Simon Peter used it to describe faith and love. Unfeigned it's a word that speaks to genuine. It's a word that speaks to not being pretentious at all, unfeigned, all in. We're just cashing it in. It would seem that this was what was needed, unfeigned faith, to walk back to the tomb. It would need something. Something would have to challenge you at the core of who you are as an individual. Amen. They had come back three days even though they knew in their mind he was dead because they were there when it happened, they thought they would at least honor him if they honored him even in death. Maybe the aroma from the spices would, would, would slow the smell of death, at least for a season. Now, I don't think they were in denial of his death. I don't think that at all. But they were trying to keep back the inevitable for just a little while longer. Maybe this was akin to perhaps what we read about in 2 Samuel 21. You'll, you'll be introduced in this particular book and chapter to a mother by the name of Rizpah. And Rizpah lost her sons. They were hanged, but not just her sons, but there were men that were, that were hanged. And, and so Rizpah, the Bible talks about, went to where these bodies were hanging. I'm not trying to be crude or un uncouth here today, but they, she went to where the body of her son and some of her friend's sons were hanged. And the scripture says that, that she drove away the beasts of the field and the fowl of the air. I don't think Rizba was in denial that these young men were dead, but she said, I'm going to honor them. I'm going to do everything that I can. And so she sat herself down in an unbelievable and unthinkable sight for the sole purpose of making sure we preserve these bodies. That's not my message, but I wanna tell you something. Her perseverance paid off because David heard about what some people perhaps had earmarked as this crazy lady that's down by the bodies that are hanging in the tree. But David, when he heard of that unfeigned faith of a mother, he said, I want you to take those bodies down and we're gonna give them a, a proper, proper burial. Now, amen, I don't believe that this was denial on display, but I believe this was love on display. I have no idea how they thought they were going to even gain access to the bodies, these two Marys. After all, a great stone had been placed at the opening of the tomb. It had been sealed in plain sight. There was such great suspicion that someone, you see, would come in and steal his body and, and uh, then the body would be gone and they could propagate again. They could just continue to let this message of Jesus Christ and his supposed resurrection continue to move forward. Amen. So they were going to do everything within their power to stop man from having his way. Amen. They set the stone, even placed guards there to stop anything that would, that would even try such a thing. But when these ladies made it to the tomb, they couldn't believe their eyes. The stone rolled away. The guards, as the scripture says, were fainted as though they were dead. 
in an effort to try to process everything that has unfolded here in the last few moments, an angel spoke. An angel spoke in verse five and said, fear not. Now, I think that was a pretty tall order. <laughs> if you're standing there and the earth is quaking, the stone rolls back, the guards have fainted, it's not a typical day. At least it's not a typical day for me. This may be just an ordinary day for you. I don't know. But it wouldn't have been a typical day for me. Fear not. He said, I know that you seek that Jesus that was crucified, but he is not here for he is risen as he said. As he said. He said, come and see the place where the Lord lay. Amen. Now, I think there's a lot of nuggets here in this story, but among them, I believe these three words simply become a hinge point upon which all of this rests. This was not a random statement because this angel knew his audience and he knew that these three words were not just gonna be random. This is not an arbitrary statement. The angel knew who these two ladies were. He knew that these women had trusted the Lord and they had walked with him by faith for a long time. If there was anything these two women knew about Jesus Christ, they knew that Jesus was a man of his word. He knew, they knew that he was a man that if he said it, they could believe it. If he said he would, he would. If he said he, if he said he was going to take care of it, he would certainly take care of it. These three words caused them to, to, to mentally leave this confusing scene in their minds. These three words took them perhaps back in time. Three words became the cornerstone for which these ladies would move forward for the rest of their lives. They didn't know why he had to die in such a fashion. They didn't know why he would have to die in such a cruel way. They didn't know why it all seemed to come crashing down around them, but they, and they didn't understand the cruelty of the cross, certainly, but they did understand one thing, as he said. As he said, we, we understand that. Amen. And these three powerful words started chipping away at the doubt and the unbelief and the fear that had no doubt taken up residence in their heart three days ago. As he said, this powerful three-word sermon took them back in time. It was a message from an angel to remind them that I knew this day was coming and I promised you that as Jonah was in the belly of that fish, amen, so will the son of man be in the grave. But I am coming again. I'm coming again. Amen. They, they thought back to what he said. Amen. They, they know in their mind, I remember him saying that. He did say that he would be betrayed. He did say that he would be crucified. He did did say that he would be buried, but he also said that the grave is not going to be able to hold me. I'm thankful today for the power of the message of an empty tomb. In Matthew 17, 22 and 23, he said, the son of man shall be betrayed into the hands of man and they shall kill him and the third day he shall be raised again. In John chapter two and verse 19, he said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it again. He said, and he said, and he said, it became the hinge point. It became the pivot point of it all. Just remember, ladies, what the word of the Lord said. When they were reminded of this, perhaps that fog of doubt and unbelief and maybe the weight of despair was starting to break. They didn't understand a lot of things, 
but they were confident of one thing, and that is that Jesus always kept his word. I ask you today how many times we've had to be reminded, not necessarily about the resurrection, but how many times have we had have we been had to be reminded about what the Lord has promised us? And he said, and he said, the Lord has promised me a lot of things and many of those things have been brought to fruition. I'm rejoicing in many of the victories that God promised, but there are some unfulfilled promises today. And although sometimes the fog of unbelief and the fog of confusion sets in, I hold fast to, and he said, but the Lord said it, and I'm gonna hold on to it, and I won't let doubt Take it out of my hand. I won't let doubt steal it away from my heart. I'm gonna hold on. I'm not alone here today. There's a lot of people that are holding on to something that the Lord promised us. I'm thankful for the power of he said. Jesus always kept his word. His word is true. Amen. Additionally, God's word can be confirmed. Therefore, the angel did more than just utter these words. He didn't just say, trust me. He didn't just say, take my word for it, but he said, come in and see the place where he lay. Come in and look where, he, where, where they had laid him. Come see the place where he lay. I realize that God's word should be enough for all of us. And, and I've mentioned many times that the Lord could have just given his, his word. We could just have his word and this, this service this morning could just have been dry, emotionless, no feeling in the air. We could have just gathered in, opened the book, read out of the book. That would have been sufficient at the end of the day. His word is enough. But aren't you thankful that God confirms his word? Amen. God confirms his word. His word said that he would be in our midst if we would gather together in his name. He didn't have to let us feel his presence. We could have just said, now remember, I know you might feel alone and I know you might feel, uh, I might, you might feel destitute here today, but his word said he would never, that he would never leave us comfortless. He would be with us all the way to the end. He said if we gathered in his presence that he would be there, his word could have been enough. But David said we are fearfully and wonderfully made and the Lord knows exactly how to deal with each and every one of us. <laughs> Amen. And so what a moment ago as we began to worship the Lord, from the very first note, we felt the presence of God. We felt not only his word that said, if you'll come together in my name, I'll be there, but we felt a confirmation of that word. Amen. We felt the Lord saying, I told you. I told you if you just come in my name. I told you if you just lift up. He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. And so when we begin to lift up his name and we feel the presence of God come closer and closer and closer, I, I'm not just trying to humanize it too much, but it's just like the Lord saying, I told you. I told you if you would just trust me and believe me. Have we ever stood sort of amazed at an answered prayer? <laughs> I mean, we pray for stuff and we believe God's going to do it and then he does and we're going, wow. Or as my wife's cousin always says, Shazam. <laughs> he really did. And it's like the Lord's saying, I told you. I told you. And so I'm thankful for his word. But I am also thankful that from time to time, God just confirms it in such a specific, unique way that is just tailor-made to us. Because some people have more faith than others, and that's not 
uh, in certain situations that uh, that's not that doesn't make one person more spiritual than another person. But and so the Lord knows how He needs to deal with each and every one of us. And so I'm thankful that God has a way of just reaching right where we are. Amen. So here are these two women who were at the cross. They saw the events of that fateful day. But in his merciful fashion, he also showed them the empty tomb. They found the linen clothes. They found the folded napkin. It was there. But there was no body, no Jesus. So what might have looked like a disaster was truly the fulfillment of prophecy. And if the tomb had not been empty, the Jews would have crushed the rumor before it spread past Jerusalem. There is no doubt. But they could not because he wasn't there. And he wasn't there because he was risen, just as he said. After Mary and her friends saw the empty tomb, they ran to tell the disciples of Jesus. And I believe that this was exactly what they were wanting to hear. We can't forget how their faith must have been affected when they actually saw what happened on Golgotha's hill. This was not a theory. They were all well aware of what had taken place three days ago. In truth, he could not be alive. They had seen him beaten and pierced and crucified. Furthermore, they had watched him placed, being placed in the tomb. They watched the tomb being sealed with a, with a stone. Therefore, much like you and me, Peter and John did not take these ladies' word for it. They ran to the tomb where they knew Jesus would be. When they got there, John stood staring, even though the Bible says John outrun Peter. He just outrun him physically. His faith didn't outrun Peter's faith <laughs> because when he got to the tomb, he stopped. But it was Peter, oh, unpredictable Simon Peter. You never know what this guy's gonna do. Sounds just like him marching right in, doesn't it? And so he just went in to see for himself. Stone rolled away, the seal broken, the linen closed laying there, the napkin folded. There they were, most assuredly at the right place. The tomb was really empty. Jesus was really alive. It was their hope. And can I tell you today, it is still our hope. The empty tomb says a lot of things. The empty tomb says to science, explain this. The empty tomb says to history, repeat this. The empty tomb says to time, erase this. It cannot be done. It cannot be done. We can't explain it. We can't repeat it and we can't erase it. It calls for all of us, young and old, male and female alike, to simply believe. Believe the words of the angel. He is not here for he is risen as he said. Today, with the help of the Lord, I'm going to ask our musicians to come, if you will. With the help of the Lord, I do not want to just leave you an Easter message. I want to underline a powerful promise that if the Lord said it, he meant it. Regardless of how the tide may turn, and regardless of which direction the wind may blow, if he said it, that's enough. Absolutely, it is enough. As Matthew recorded, come see the place 
Come test the water. Come prove it. Come prove it. There is nothing that speaks more clearly than the fact that Jesus kept his word than the empty tomb. Destroy this body and in three days I will raise it again. Today, if the Lord has made you a promise, he meant it. We may get caught up in emotions. We may get caught up in a moment, but not Jesus. I, I think Wednesday or last Sunday, I was saying that the Lord never has to, to fix anything. He never, of his own doing. He, because he knows the end from the beginning, he sees the whole picture. We're caught off guard. We have to put things back together because we didn't see it coming. Jesus has never been in that position. He sees it all coming. And so he knew. And so whatever the Lord has promised us today, he has the ability to bring it to fruition. I'm going to ask you to stand. On February the 27th, 1991, It was the height of the Desert Storm War. And a woman, more specifically a mother, by the name of Ruth Dillo, received the worst news that a parent could ever receive. She had been contacted by the powers that be that her son, Clayton Carpenter, private first class, had stepped on a landmine in the Persian Gulf and he had lost his life. For the next three days, we can only imagine what was being played out in the life of this mother and the family and people tried to comfort her, but what can you say to someone in a moment like that? I truly understand that very little could be said to to take away that kind of pain. But three days after the, she had been notified of his death, the phone rang and she picked up the phone and on the other end was the voice that said, Mom, it's me, it's Clayton, I'm alive. In a cruel twist of fate, the wrong family had been contacted. But this mother didn't have time to be bent out of shape about that because her son was alive and well on the other end. At first, she didn't believe it. She thought maybe some kind of cruel joke, but as he continued to speak, she recognized that voice and it was true. Her son was alive. What seemed like a hopeless situation was radically transformed the worst day of her life now she's living the greatest day of her life. Amen. And that's what news from a graveyard can do. And so today, I want you to understand that irrespective of how many Easter Sundays we have celebrated, the message has not been watered. It has not lost any of its power or impact. I'm thankful for the power of the spoken word of the Lord. Amen. What a true... and. Thank you.
This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.